Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello. Prince Harry's back on Netflix. It is here at the Invictus Games that you realize whatever you carry, it was the springboard that propelled you to the next level. Heart of Invictus is his new series, out this week, and it comes at a crucial time for Harry and Meghan. Next week, it's a year since the death of Queen Elizabeth, and who can forget the drama that followed? His unsparing memoir, their unflinching documentary. But with all of this apparently behind them, what next? If they can make a hit, that would suggest they've got an eye for material that works. Though if that's not a hit, then it's difficult to see what comes next. Something will work, because they still have a profile. Whether it be quite what they imagined, we don't know yet. They've tried being royal. Their Spotify deal is toast and Netflix one hangs in the balance. So does a successful third act in Hollywood beckon? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Luke Jones. Today, what Harry and Meghan did next. The story of Harry and Meghan has always been a transatlantic one. Drama in both Montecito Mansion and Buckingham Palace. Across both sides are these two. I'm Valentine Lowe. I write about the royal family for The Times. I'm Kieran Southern. I'm the US West Coast correspondent for The Times. Val, can I start with you? Um, this is probably podcast edition 2754 on Harry and Meghan. I don't know how you feel when we sort of dip back into this subject. Does a, does a piece of you die inside or do you relish the prospect of more twists and turns? <laughs> a piece of me dies inside and then gets revived again. Harry and Meghan, to use a cliche, they are the gift that keeps on giving. I try very hard to ignore them. I really do my best, but you can't. Whenever they go quiet, suddenly up they pop again with something else, you know, whether it's Megan with her new anti-stress patch or new shenanigans about their media career or even that wonderful story recently about the fact that Harry and Meghan supposedly tried to cadge a lift on Air Force One with President yes. Biden after the Queen's funeral. There's always something with them. And mm. I'm sorry to say we're not done with them yet. No. And in terms of your actual day job as being royal correspondent, I wonder how how much do they encroach on your patch? How much of an important part of it are they now? They're a part of it. They're definitely not 
as important as they were. And there are occasions when I can make our esteemed Los Angeles correspondent to the work because he's out there and I'm not. But I think it's calmed down from the heights of everything from uh, when they first went out to America to, I guess, the beginning of this year with Harry's book came out and before that, mm. their Netflix series. The madness of those days is definitely over. Yes. You mentioned our man in the US, Kieran Southern, over in Los Angeles. Kieran, in terms of the here and now, just remind us of what Harry and Meghan are up to, where they are, what is their current status, how are they seen? Well, of course, they're still living in Montecito, which is about 90 minutes up the coast from Los Angeles. And as Val said, they tend to dip in and out of the news. As of right now, obviously, they've got the Invictus program out on Netflix this week. But aside from that being quite quiet for them, I would say. And it could be a moment of relative quiet, but Val, I wonder if you think that this is quite an important turning point in their long-winded transition, trying to revive their new careers. Kieran mentioned this Invictus documentary, there are more plans afoot. Is this a, a turning point, as an A-level history essay might call it? It's definitely a moment of transition, isn't it? Because most of what we've had so far has been predicated on them complaining about the British royal family and the British media. We now have to find out what they have to offer themselves. Because when they were in this country, we paid attention because they were royal. Other than that, who is Harry? He was a sort of not particularly distinguished army officer. Who was Meghan, a not desperately talented actress in a show that some people had heard of, but most people hadn't? All they had going to them was the fact they were royal, and that catapulted them to the very top of the international recognition charts, as it were. They put that royal thing aside. They've left that, and... Actually, I have no argument with that. I think it should be entirely open to you to bow out gracefully. Whether, of course, they bowed out gracefully is another matter. But we'd have to see what they actually have to offer themselves, apart from you know throwing brickbats across the Atlantic at the royal family. It's kind of interesting that one of the, the recent developments that we had was the news that Netflix had bought the rights to a romantic novel called Meet Me at the Lake. And Harry and Meghan's company, Archwell, is going to develop it, uh, do an ad adaptation. And it just kind of raises the question, well, they don't actually have any track record here. <laughs> Are they any good at that? We don't know yet. Well, let's rewind to how all that started then, Kieran. If you, if you take us back to, what, three years ago when they actually first signed big deals with, well, Netflix and you've already mentioned Spotify as well. What do we know about those deals, about how much they were worth, what was expected of them? You go back to 2020, Hollywood was a very, very different place. Wall Street, which for better or for worse, dictates Hollywood strategy these days, was all about growth. It was inspired by the tech industry and, and Netflix. So it was very happy for the likes of Netflix and Spotify and then the legacy studios such as Disney to start throwing money around everywhere. They just turned a, a fire hose on with money in an attempt to sign anyone who was anyone up on these development deals. Former President and First Lady Barack and Michelle Obama are getting into show business with Netflix. Joe Rogan's podcast was signed in an exclusive deal by Spotify for $100 million. 
Sometimes it feels like it's Oprah's world, and we're just living in it. Oprah Winfrey has inked a multiple-year content partnership with Apple. Spotify announced an exclusive deal with the couple, saying the Duke and Duchess will host and produce podcasts that build community through shared experience, narratives, and values. So it was no surprise at the time Harry and Meghan had just left the royal family. Then they announced deals with Netflix and Spotify. We were told that Harry and Meghan would be producing documentaries, films, TV shows for Netflix and a podcast series for Spotify. Now, that Netflix deal hasn't really produced very much. It was reported to be worth $100 million. How it works is they won't have received $100 million. That'll be over the course of the deal, and they'll get the money as they produce series. The most high-profile content we've had from that deal was the Harry and Meghan, that six-part docu-series. I was terrified. I didn't want history to repeat itself. No one knows the full truth. We know the full truth. But in terms of the other stuff that the producing for Netflix, the children's TV show Pearl that Megan was doing, that got axed in an early development stage. This was uh, due to be the first animated series from Archwell Productions, and that, of course, is Harry and Megan's production company. It was going to follow the adventures of a 12-year-old girl and said to be inspired by Megan's own story. We've obviously got the Invictus documentary coming out, but it remains to be seen whether that will be a hit worthy of what Netflix is after now, because even in 2020, where money was very free in Hollywood, Wall Street has now changed its mind and said, well, actually, we don't want growth, we want profitability. Yeah. So all these companies are now forced to take a close look at these deals they signed years ago and ask, are we actually getting any value for money here? And I suspect with Harry and Meghan, the answer may be no. And you mentioned the Netflix side of things, but what about the Spotify one? Yeah, well, that's been a real headache for Harry and Meghan, actually, over three years or almost three years, all they produced was one podcast series. That was Megan's podcast. I'm Megan, and this is Archetypes, the podcast where we dissect, explore, and subvert the labels that try to hold women back. Now, it actually seemed to be quite popular to begin with. The first episode with Serena Williams it was number one in countries around the world. The other guest included Mariah Carey in perhaps the most memorable moment of the entire series called Megan a Diva. The diva mm -hmm. thing we can play into, I, I mean, it's not something that I connect to but if for you it's been a huge you part give of your us diva moments sometimes do, Megan. Don't diva even moments act do like, I give you? Don't act <laughs> like you. But critics weren't particularly impressed. They said it was boring. Megan is an actress, let's not forget. She's not an interviewer, she's not a journalist. And these shows were, were focused on very worthy topics. Mm. But ultimately, I don't think we ever left an episode feeling like Megan had, had brought out some new side to one of her celebrity guests or elicited some previously unknown truth. Yeah. That deal got prematurely cancelled earlier this year. That was a report of $20 million to produce the podcast. And then they were memorably called Grifters by Bill Simmons, uh, Spotify executive. I wish I had been involved in the Megan and Harry leave Spotify negotiation. <laughs> <laughs> Grifters. That's a podcast we should have launched with them. You live Trying in to 
Montecito and you just yeah. like we, you sell documentaries and podcasts and nobody cares what you have to say about anything unless you talk I about the royal this. family you just complain about them there were other damaging reports including that Taylor Swift had refused an invitation to go on the podcast which obviously damages Meghan's prestige then it was reported that Harry had pitched the podcast where he would discuss childhood trauma with the likes of Trump Putin the Pope and that just made him sort of look completely untethered from reality and Val, if I'm some high-ranking courtier sitting in Buckingham Palace, watching all of this from afar, what is concerning for me? Is it what they might spill in the various bits of content that they produce? Or is it also just the idea of the royal brand being hawked about in big commercial deals? I think the stress levels of those Buckingham Palace courtiers, and Luke, I've got to say, if you want the job, I can put in a word. <laughs> I'll see how this pans out. <laughs> I, their stress levels have definitely calmed down recently. When Harry and Meghan first started doing all this stuff, you know, the documentary, Harry's book, Spare, I mean, that was very difficult for the palace. They think that Harry and Meghan are pretty much spent on that now. And certainly people close to Harry and Meghan have indicated quite clearly to me that there won't be any more of this kind of stuff coming there. Uh, someone put it to me, we're done. And in terms of the hawking the royal brand, I mean, they've done that hawking. I mean, they have exploited their position in the royal family to its maximum potential. And now they're out of the royal family. Now they're not working in roles anymore. I don't think anyone really would seriously begrudge them the opportunity to earn money. And if that earning money is predicated on the extra profile they have through having been royal, well, kind of so be it. And yet hanging over all of this, Kieran, it is the question, yes, they have the profile, but do they necessarily have the requisite skills and talent to actually pull some of these new projects off? I mean, I mean, how much has that publicly been called into question? Well, that's a huge deal here. Producing is hard, very hard. There are people in this town who have decades-long careers and never produce a big hit. The idea that Harry and Meghan could just rock up and start setting the town alight, I think, was always fanciful. Jeremy Zimmer, he's one of the most powerful men in Hollywood. He's the CEO of the United Talent Agency, which is one of the big agencies. He had quite a, a damning line about Meghan earlier this year. I think he said... Turned out Meghan Markle was not a great audio talent or necessarily any kind of talent. And, you know, just because you're famous doesn't make you great at something. I think that really gets to the heart of the issue and concerns in Hollywood about what they will actually be able to produce. Although I do think it's important to note that Jeremy Zimmer would have a sort of interest in Meghan and Harry not doing well as she is signed up with a, the rival agency WME. Uh. It's going to be interesting to see how the new film that they've optioned, Meet Me at the Lake, how that turns out. But I don't think there's very high hopes within Hollywood that they're going to end up rivaling Jerry Bruckheimer or anything like that. Coming up with a very lucrative Spotify deal dead, has the couple's reputation felt the impact?
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm David Baddiel. I'm a writer and a comedian and a Jew. I'm Saeed Avasi. I'm a businesswoman and a politician and a Muslim. Jews and Muslims always seem to be in the news or on the news. Lots of people talk about us, and this is us talking about ourselves. The kind of things that people say don't touch, we are going to go there. I mean, I think Jews and Muslims are talking about these things, but I think they're not talking about them together because they're worried that if they do, sparks might fly. A Muslim and a Jew go there. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. So Harry and Meghan are in another period of transition, I guess. We can agree on that. They're going to stop, as Val was saying, mining their own experience to some extent. They're going to stop just necessarily making it about them and their complaints about the world and instead shift more into this kind of development executive producer world. Val, we've dealt with the question over their talents and skills in this area. But what about what about the question mark hanging over their profile and how popular they are and how much they, they can rely on that? Has that shifted over the years, would you say? I mean, their popularity has definitely taken a hit compared to 18 months ago or so, when they were sort of perceived as, you know, the victims of a cold and heartless royal family and a cruel and intrusive British tabloid media. The Netflix series, although it was very popular, it did cause problems for their profile. I think basically they were seen as a couple of whingers and their popularity ratings certainly tanked after that. I think they've recovered a bit since then. I think there's been a little bit of a bounce back. But when you see how an awful lot of comedians have taken pops at them on various shows, and I think that's a measure of how Harry and Meghan aren't quite the saintly figures Mm. they were once perceived as. They're more controversial now. It used to be that basically here on this side of the Atlantic, people were generally against them. On the other side of the Atlantic, they're generally for them. I think that's now a a lot more complex. If they're no longer disgruntled former royals and they're trying to position themselves as something else, you said, I don't know, they want to be seen as as saintly. They might say charitable. What is the brand you think that they're trying to, to carve out? Well, there is a charitable, a liberal left profile that's very much there, as you saw their their work on the COVID vaccine and rolling that out, was very symptomatic of that. But that doesn't necessarily fit that easily with the kind of commercial, popular broadcast media brand they also want to carve out. And I think one of the places where those two overlap, it was very interesting, and that was the kids' animated series that they wanted to make called Pearl, which we've referred to already. And I just wonder whether that got binned because it was just a little too worthy and wasn't going to be that popular. Mm. And therefore, I think they're going to have to make some decisions about how far they go on the worthy charitable spectrum as opposed to the out-and-out commercial end of the spectrum. And Kieran, what about where Harry and Meghan sit in the in the Hollywood world and the pecking order? Because weren't there some reports that some celebrities were were starting to distance themselves from them. Is that the case and and why? 
Harry and Meghan now do come with baggage. We can argue whether that's their fault. Their supporters would say they've just been harassed by a vicious media who turned the world against them. But it does look like being their friends does carry some degree of risk. These days we've had those reports of the Beckhams having a fallen out with the couple over allegations. The Sussexes accused Victoria and David of leaking stories about them. Meghan was nowhere to be seen at Serena Williams' recent baby shower. There's long been speculation about the very nature of their friendship and whether it's quite as strong as Meghan would have us believe. But I speak to a lot of publicists and other people in Hollywood. Harry and Meghan are not welcome on red carpets out here just because they offer too much of a distraction. You know, a lot of work goes into film premieres or charity galas. And the last thing that publicists who I speak to would want would risk having the evening overshadowed. There was the famous car chase story in New York. A spokesperson describes a relentless pursuit by highly aggressive paparazzi lasting over two hours, and that resulted in multiple near collisions. But the taxi driver who took the couple to a police precinct and the NYPD are telling a different story. The publicists who I speak to just don't want to risk having their event overshadowed, but I definitely do think there's a tension between the role Harry and Meghan view for themselves and the role that the public mm. would like for them to have. Harry and Meghan, I think, would view themselves as sort of like the Obamas and would like to be the state people who opine on various issues of the day and, and support causes close to the heart. Whereas I think the vast majority of the public has got a more tabloid interest in them. And I think going forward, that's going to be a decision that the couple are going to have to make, whether they stick to more worthy stuff or indulge in the more tabloid stuff. Interesting that you say that they might not necessarily be so welcome at Hollywood or, or red carpety style events. Val, what's the current state of play for them at royal events? Obviously, Harry was at the late Queen's funeral, but well, we're coming around to the one year anniversary of that. Any sign that they're being welcomed back in some way into the fold or, or still out in the cold? I think what you have to distinguish is between official events and family events. I think the royal family in terms of their personal family relations with Harry and Meghan, will always, at least King Charles, will always want to leave the door open to them. But those events which are all about working royals, so those sort of big balcony moments, you know, I think we're not going to see Harry and Meghan on a, any Buckingham Palace balcony at any point soon. And to the extent that neither Harry nor Meghan are even going to be at Balmoral with the royal family as they mark the late Queen's death, that seems quite incredible. I don't think that's quite incredible. I think that's been exaggerated. It's not like there's any big official thing. Mm. And if you look back to the late Queen, she always marked the anniversary of her father's death very quietly and very privately. And I think really that's the same thing with Charles. I mean, okay, the first anniversary is the first anniversary. I think whichever members of the family will be at Balmoral or could be at Balmoral, will make an effort to be there. But Harry and Meghan have very visibly and very publicly not really taken part in any real proper family events. All of Harry's recent appearances in this country, he's made every effort to return to California as soon as he possibly could. So I just simply wouldn't have expected them to be at Balmoral on September the 8th. 
Let's look to the future then. Kieran, we mentioned some of their next projects in the pipeline, this documentary about the Invictus Games that Harry organises, and also this book being optioned. Can you just explain both of them for us and and what it says about where they are at the moment? The Invictus Games, obviously, that's something close to Harry's heart. It remains to be seen how popular I'll be with the viewing public. Meet Me at the Lake is a romance novel. They've optioned that for Netflix. They're going to make that into a feature film. The book is called Meet Me at the Lake, and it's about a couple who fall in love in their 30s. One of them lost their parent in a car crash and went on to struggle with alcohol and drug abuse. Insiders say the Sussexes were drawn to it because of the resemblance to their own lives. That'll be a big test of this next stage of Harry and Meghan's professional lives. If they can make Meet Me at the Lake into a hit, that would suggest, you know, that they've got an eye for material that works and and they are capable of being an asset to the likes of Netflix. Though if that's not a hit, what would they do then? Who would they turn to then? Because Hollywood right now is in a a very bad place, lots of cuts going on. The studios are no longer throwing money around as they once were. And Kieran, what about some of the other options that are there for them, which we haven't talked about? I mean, you did say earlier that, that maybe they might be pushed at some point into a more tabloidy existence. Could could reality TV rear its head at some point in a more intrusive way? And I guess they've already dipped their toe in with their docuseries on them leaving the royal family. I guess that's always going to be an option they could go back to allowing the cameras into the lives almost like the kardashians could megan go back to acting i'm not so sure that would be the case i wonder whether um she views herself one day as becoming almost like a, a gwyneth paltrow and a sort of figure in the wellness industry she's obviously could have a, a huge social following that stress patch that she had on recently She's been wearing this sort of anti-stress patch on her left wrist. It's a medical device that claims to send calming signals to the brain. Well, we could all- I wonder whether she views that as a future avenue of sort of like a, a wellness guru. Val, whatever happens next, do you see it working? Do you see this all settling down at some point and them getting something approaching what they want? I think something will work because they still have a profile. Whether it be quite what they imagined when they first went out there, I don't know. But the question I would ask is, we pitch all this in terms of Megan. Hmm. She's the ambitious one. She's the one who always looks ahead. She's the one who has ideas. We never really think about Harry. And I think one of the tragedies of this whole thing is that none of this is really playing to Harry's strengths. He can have great emotional intelligence, Harry, and he's got great sort of drive and energy. Someone who worked for him when he was at the palace always talked about he would have 10 amazing ideas, nine of which would be totally bonkers, but there'd be one that would be really good. We've been talking about Invictus, haven't we? And I remember how Invictus started. I mean, he had the the seed of the idea in his mind, but he went to this thing called the Warrior Games for injured US servicemen and women in Colorado Springs in the States. At the end of that, he said, we're going to take this idea and we're going to run with it and we're going to put it on in London. We're going to do it in a year's time. 
and his staff were all absolutely appalled. They thought, we can't possibly do it in that time. But he managed to make that happen. And that's the great side of Harry. And I just really hope that whatever they manage to do is something that will tap into and exploit Harry's good side. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. With me, Luke Jones, and my guests, Times Royal Correspondent Valentine Lowe and US West Coast Correspondent Kieran Southern. If you're a subscriber, every Hollywood twist and royal turn is at thetimes.co.uk. Val and Kieran's work and analysis is all there. The producer today was Edward Drummond. The executive producers today were Fiona Leach and James Shield with sound design by Tom Birchall. A glowing five-star review helps other people find us on this podcast, so do one of those, please. Goodbye. Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60.